This is a podcast of Forest Lake Baptist Church Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit our Facebook page or our website at flbc.org.au. We hope you're blessed by this message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Christmas is good. We hear a community singing of Jesus as Lord because whether people believe it or not, he is Lord. Lord over this nation, Lord over this world. And I pray for every person who was here at the school last night singing to Jesus, perhaps even without realising what they were singing, that this Christmas would be the one where they don't just celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we would get to celebrate with them their new birth as children of the living God. Father, we come into Christmas with a sense of excitement and expectation because we celebrate Jesus and we see a community celebrating him but our prayer lord is that it would not be empty celebration the people would come to know him as savior and lord lord we pray for angel tree project that each of those names will be taken today those gifts can be bought and delivered with the love of jesus thank you for these practical ways we can share his love with people Father, thank you for ladies' brunch yesterday. Thank you for the men's night last week. We thank you for the Christmas party next Saturday. We're praying for good weather, Lord. Father, thank you for the the team that makes Sundays happen and all the ministries as they start to uh, wrap up for the year, the kids' ministries, breakfast club, uh, youth group, play group. Uh, Lord, all the various ministries across our church, the life groups. Father, we are grateful for a good year. And I pray for everyone, Lord, as we come into this Christmas season, that as busy as Christmas can get, we would have opportunity to be still and remember the reason for the season. Oh, Lord, we pray that the news of good news, which is for all the people that the angels said, that this Christmas would be a time when the churches of this community will be overflowing with people, and especially people coming to know Jesus as Saviour and Lord. And Lord, as we, uh, we thank you for Greg leading us in communion and reminding us of the church around the world today. And as we do every week, we pray for our brothers and sisters who will be persecuted today for the name of Jesus. And for us, Lord, as we open your word now and we turn our thoughts towards the nativity and the coming of our Lord Jesus, oh, these stories are so familiar to us, Lord. Bring them afresh to our spirits today. Make it come alive again that we may leave this place today saying, wow, God himself became incarnate and walked on this very same earth. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to your people, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. When we were deciding what we were going to do for the Christmas series this year, we looked at you know, the four Sundays, including Christmas Day for December. We've, I was talking to Mel Watson and she told me about the series the kids were doing at, uh, for Kids Zone and Bumblebees about the four angels of Christmas. And I thought, well, that's a great way, great thing for us to do. And so today we're looking at the visit of the Archangel Gabriel to Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. And it's one of those, I mean, I have no idea how many times I've heard this story. I'm 40 now, and so that's at least 40 Christmases. And you what, you reckon two or three times per Christmas you hear this story? So that's 120 times. Now I just need a moment. Um, Say 120 times I've heard this story, but as I was reading it again this week, 
I must admit, the first time I read this story this week, I was like, oh, yeah. The second time I read it, I was like, wow. Gabriel, who stands before the face of God. There are angels and there are archangels. And traditionally, we think there's probably three archangels. Gabriel is one of them. He appears in the book of Daniel is described as one who stands before the face of God. He seems to only appear at particularly special moments when particular messages about the coming or the action of God himself, where God bears his own arm, when that's going to happen, that's when Gabriel shows up. Gabriel is clearly a fearsome sort of a, a character because whenever he, f- he appears, people are fearful and the first thing he has to say is, don't, don't be afraid. And Gabriel, who stands before the face of God, stands on this earth and says, have I got news for you? Wow. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So let's just stop for a minute. Let's just explain what's going on here. The priest, one of their roles was to go into the temple of God and to burn incense as a symbol of the prayers of God's people reaching up to God. And Zechariah, he's one of the priests and it's his turn by lot to go in and do that task. So the symbolism around this moment is that Zechariah is going into the very presence of God and he is burning incense and that incense as I said symbolizes the prayers of the people of God going up to God and the priest would ask Lord please accept these prayers it was a moment of crying out to God please Lord remember your people and at the hour of incense the whole assembly of the people was praying outside so you see all the prayer that's going on around this moment and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense and when Zechariah saw him he was terrified and overcome with fear but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah because your prayer has been heard Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen. You will become silent and I'm able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will, fulfill, will be fulfilled in their proper time. 
Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realised he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. What do you think the signs were? When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with, with favour in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. I just love the way this passage opens. Here is Zechariah crying out to God and the whole imagery of the incense going up and the prayers going up because there's a reason Luke gives us little details like the way he says in the days of King Herod Judea. See, in every conceivable way in this passage, it's a desperate moment. If you look internationally and globally, Rome has taken over the world and the people of Israel are under subjugation. They are under oppression of the Roman citizens. And that's why he mentions King Herod, because King Herod shouldn't have even been king. He was a puppet king of Rome. The people hated him. The Herods were such desperate people that his father, when he died, organised for people to be killed when he died so that at least someone would be crying in Israel. They were, this was the kind of people they were. And as Zechariah, you can imagine going into the temple on a day when this is going on around them. Israel is under oppression. Religiously, they are under oppression. They cannot even practice their religion without Rome saying yes. And even Zechariah himself going into the temple, probably passing all these families with their kids, knowing that he and he and Elizabeth can't have kids. In a day when, if that was the case, particularly then, it was shameful. There would have been people who were saying, how can Zechariah even be a priest if, he's, if he can't have kids? Surely God hates him. And he would have gone in with this baggage and this weight and this burden and he goes into the temple. And I can just imagine this old man crying out to God because we're told that he and his wife lived well before the Lord. They were righteous in God's sight, it says. And I can imagine this little old man going in there saying, Lord, honestly, what have I done to deserve this? This sucks. In King James English, however you would say that. This is not fair, Lord. Yeah, this sucker, thank you, I heard that, that's good. This is not fair. I deserve better. My beautiful wife, Elizabeth, deserves better. Have you forgotten us, Lord? Have you turned your face away from me? Have you turned your face away from your people? And Gabriel himself, this fearsome, amazing angel, stands before him and look at those words that he says, your prayer has been heard. There are times when we look at our lives and we look at our situation and our prayer is to God, Lord, have you forgotten me? Maybe I'm the only one in the room that has ever felt like that, but I doubt it. I can remember... 10 years ago, lying in a hospital bed, 
and saying out to God, have you forgotten me? Somewhere on the line, did you just forget me? And what hit me about this passage this week is that even at 400 years of silence, which is what had happened up to this point, God hadn't spoken to his people for 400 years. Zechariah had every reason to feel forgotten by God. He had every reason to think his nation, his people, his family, his situation had been forgotten by God. God does not forget. Praise God. There's a song we've been singing more and more as a church called Waymaker. My little boy's favourite song at the moment. He sings it like all the time. There are worse songs to hear a child sing than Waymaker. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. God is always, always, always at work. And there are two parts to this prophecy when... Gabriel appears to Zechariah. The first is you're going to have a son. And we don't have, all the, time, we don't have the time to go into all the prophecies around John and, and how he was going to be there in the spirit of... Uh, lost my name. Elijah, thank you. Because the verse that I really get struck by is when he talks about John the Baptist coming is verse 15. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. When Catherine was pregnant with Angus, we had a guy in the church at the time named Thomas. Thomas still watches from Ireland occasionally. So, hey, Tom. And there were... He was one of the first people to know that Catherine was pregnant because he was heading back to Ireland and we'd become friends, and I wanted him to know before he head back to Ireland. He said, can I pray for you and Catherine and, and the upcoming birth of your baby? I said, mate, that'd be great. It was one of the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard. And he prayed, Lord, for this child that is to be born, may he be like John the Baptist and know your spirit's touch, even yet while he is still in his mother's womb. What a precious thought that this child, this baby in Elizabeth's womb would know the voice of God. And as if that's not good enough, as if that's not powerful enough, John is not even the point of the story. It's the one to whom John will point. That's why Gabriel says he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to their understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord are prepared people. That's why John the Baptist would go to the Jordan baptising people. That's why Jesus himself would refer to John the Baptist as among those born of women there has not arisen one, anyone greater than John the Baptist. But even he was not the point. John was pointing to the one who is the point. Jesus. Jesus. It would be easy to look at this passage and think the point is Zechariah and Elizabeth. It would be even easier to look at this passage and think the point is Gabriel. It would be even easier again to think that the point is John. 
But the point, the purpose, the focus of this passage is ultimately the one who John was pointing to, Jesus. And as the people were walking in darkness, this was the light. That's why we have reflections back to Isaiah chapter 9. And I love this verse uh, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Because it goes on to say, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the point. The point of Christmas is not the angel on the tree. The point of Christmas is not the presents. The point of Christmas isn't even shortbread, as hard as that is for me to believe. The point of Christmas is Jesus. And not just his birth, but what his birth pointed to, his death and resurrection. What is God's plan? Jesus. The ultimate example of God's faithfulness when all seems hopeless. As he hung on that cross and everything seemed lost, Jesus was working out the plan of his father. And that's why it's hard for Zachariah. That's why he, he doesn't understand and Gabriel says, you're going to be mute now until this baby is born, which I think is hard on Zechariah. Like, that seems harsh to me. Because Mary doubted too, but it was okay for Mary. But Zachariah, why? Because Zechariah should have known better. He was the priest. He should have known. And today you may be going through a difficult situation and it's hard and it's hard to understand. And I can say to you, God is still working his plan out. God is still faithful. God is still good. God is still at work. God is still sovereign. And you may say like Zachariah, you know, Mark, that's hard for me to understand. That's hard for me to hear. You don't know what I'm walking through at the moment. And you're right, I don't. But God is still faithful. And he has you. He has you. There are times in life when we look around and we say, where is God? Where's he gone? Has he lost me? Has he forgotten me? But Jesus says, I will not lose one which my Father has given me. He's got you. God is always working his purpose out. I heard a story this week about when China became a communist country in 1949 and all the Christian missionaries were pushed out for the second time within the last 80 years of that country. And they said, the church is dead, the church cannot survive, the church will be oppressed, that's the end of it. God has forsaken China, it's all over. And they believe in 1949 when Christianity became illegal, there were one million Christians in China. Do you know how many there are today in that forgotten place, the place that people thought God had forgotten? 100 million people. There are 60 million Christians in unregistered illegal churches. 
God is always, always working his plan out. And it's easy to say that, right? It's easy to have these sort of theological moments of saying, yes, I believe God's sovereign. Yes, I believe God's faithful. Yes, I believe God's loving. But I'm finding it tough at the moment. Yep, you can hold both at the same time. So what is our response if we do believe that in the tough times? I keep coming back to the same old disciplines that are required of all of us to walk the Christian life. Reading the Bible, praying, fellowship and service. When I find myself under pressure, the first, it's prayer that struggles. For other people, when they're under pressure, they find they just want to retreat from other people. I get that. But if Jesus is real, if he really did die, if he really did rise again, if God truly is sovereign, then I can walk in confident obedience of the one who will never let me down. He does not forget. And so today we're going to close our service with a Christmas carol because it is that time of year. But as you do, what I want to ask you to do is how can you drink in God's truth at the moment? Is there an area of those four areas for you of Bible, of prayer, of fellowship, of service that perhaps you've pulled back from lately? Perhaps it's been hard and you've pulled back on one of those four and today is the day to step in back in. So yes, I will follow. Because now we're going to sing a great Christian, uh, Christmas carol. Hark the herald angels sing with these amazing words that reflect that we don't always understand the timing of God, do we? Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at Zechariah and we can understand why it was hard for him to believe. We can understand with what was going on for him and what was going on around him, it was hard to believe. Yet we stand this side of the cross and we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to walk in obedience. Help us to walk in trust. Help us to walk in faith that God is always at work. In a world that is in turmoil and in conflict, we pray that we would be people of your peace. That when the devil tries to say to us, your God has forgotten you, we will say to him, no. Our God sees me, he knows me, he loves me, he has a plan for me. Thank you that we can say those words in confidence, not because of us, but because of Jesus. And we look forward to the day, Father, when all your plans will come together and all the people of this earth will bow their knee and proclaim Jesus as Lord. But while we await that day, may we walk in that truth now. Jesus is Lord. And like John the Baptist, may we point people to him, the only real Saviour. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.